1: Hello, citizens. Welcome to the Fortress of Hotitude. I'm Dave Michaels. And
0: I'm Brian Betts.
1: And we are the K-Podcasters. And this is the show that's Code going to be talking about Megamind today. Oh, Code. Yes, we are. Code. I was not looking forward to this one too much, and now I very much am. Yeah, uh, it's a fun movie. This is a fun movie. When it popped up, when we put it on our schedule, I was like, yeah, whatever. Megamind. Fine. Just, you know what? Filler? Sure. It's been filler. on a list for a long time. It's been a while since we did an animated movie. And then after watching it, the only thing that went through my head was, damn it, I cannot wait to talk about this thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that checks out. I mean, it's a heavily loaded cast,
1: for sure. That's putting it really, really lightly.
0: Yeah, I know for weeks I've been like, you know, that Will Ferrell movie. But no, it doesn't stop there. It does not stop there. You also got Tina Fey.
1: You got Jonah Hill. David Cross. Brad Pitt. I knew Brad Pitt was in it, and I had forgotten it already. Because yeah. that's how yeah, small that... the roll is. <laughs>
0: less than 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, less than 10 minutes. Still more than Deadpool 2, though. That's true. Now, you said you have seen this before, right?
0: Yes, I have previously seen this, I think,
1: one time. Okay, did any of it come back to you? You said that you didn't remember anything about it. Not a damn thing. <laughs> Isn't that the best how that sometimes works? Yeah, I was like, oh,
0: this is fresh, and I like surprises. it. Surprises. didn't see anything coming. Yeah. So
1: That's good, man. That's good. <laughs> And this is the first time you've seen it, right? This is the first time I saw it, and I'm still digesting, to put it really, really lightly. There's a lot to digest, but there's also not a lot. You just want to get into it and figure this thing out? I think
0: we should just get into it, yeah. Megamind, voiced by Will fucking Farrell, tells us that here's my day so far. Went to jail, lost the girl of my dreams, and got my butt kicked pretty good. Still, things could be a lot worse. Oh, that's right. I'm falling to my death. (laughs) Yes, they can't.
1: This year was the only real thing that like Guillermo del Toro added to the movie when he came on as a producer, which is amazing. Yeah, well,
0: they brought him in like three weeks before the end of production. So. Right.
1: What could, what could he do? Except frame it, I guess. Frame the whole entire right, movie. He's like, I guess, I guess
0: I'll get busy in the editing bay or something.
1: Is that you doing Spanish?
0: No, that was, that was me <laughs> stumbling through words. Fair enough. Uh, just as, as me.
1: I was going to say, wow, what a del Toro impression, Brian. <laughs>
0: I did it. I finally...
1: <laughs> you mastered it, Del Toro.
0: Managed to squeak that one out. So obviously, we're going to have to go back a little bit to fill in how we got here.
1: Sure, as you do.
0: So we're going to go all the way back. Megamind is a super intelligent alien who, at only eight days old, is sent to Earth by his parents as his home planet is destroyed by a black hole, Krypton style.
1: That's right. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> it should.
0: It should. His parents put him in a pod and they say, get out of here, kid. Similarly... On another nearby planet suffering the same fate, they're sending off their own last son, too. That's right.
1: I like how we're double supermaning here.
0: We are. The two babies land on Earth. The young lad from the other planet lands in a ritzy mansion and has Superman-like abilities. And our quote-unquote hero lands in the Metro City prison for the criminally gifted, where he has a very <laughs> different upbringing.
1: He does, and I have so many questions about this upbringing that... I want to get into, as you start describing, what he went through, because I don't think this is how any of this works. I have questions about the criminally gifted. Well, really, if you're criminally gifted, you shouldn't be in prison at all? Right. So
0: something along the lines got lost in translation. (laughs) But yeah, these these inmates are like, can we keep him? And then they raise this blue alien with flashcards telling him that cops are bad and burglars are
1: good and- I guess he gets to leave prison to go to school. He does, but he still lives in a cell while he's there. It's like, uh, if anyone comes by, like, this boy is incarcerated for what? (laughs) Right, right. This isn't so much like a Trevor Noah born a crime situation here. He just landed (laughs) in this prison, and the inmates are like, we're going to raise him as our own or whatever. (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) It's just weird. It's very odd. Prisoners don't get to keep kids as pets. It's weird. It's very weird. The two
0: alien boys grow up together, always competing. Megamind is a neglected outcast, and his piranha-like sidekick Minion, played by David fucking Cross, <laughs> right. is his only friend.
1: That's it. That's all you need, though, when David fucking Cross is your friend. I only need one. Honestly, I'm good. If I had
0: to narrow it down to one and David Cross was an option, I'd be okay. That's totally fine with me. Meanwhile, the other kid receives nothing but praise and adulation which pushes Megamind to realize that his only gift
1: is causing trouble. It's funny, because you do get to see Megamind try to figure out what he wants to become. He understands how much smarter he is than everybody. He also doesn't like this golden boy who is showing off all of his powers and whatnot. He's Mr. Perfect over here. But yeah. it seems like Megamind isn't trying to be the bad kid. No, he,
0: he seems like he means well. He's just trying to make popcorn. and He blows at the school. and Right, you know. but the problem is that he's blue. That is the problem. He stands out like a literal sore thumb. So he decides to become an incredibly handsome criminal genius and master of all villainry. That's right. Lean in. Why not? Whereas the other child becomes Metro Man, played by Brad fucking Pitt. That's right. The adored hero of Metro City. Metrocity. Yes. Metro City <laughs> Metrocity.
1: I love Will Farrell purposely potato, flubbing potato. lines. I love it's it so good. much. I didn't think that Will Ferrell would shine in this thing because it's an animated movie and it's usually right. pretty tricky. Like Steve Carell did it in Despicable May. We'll talk about that in a bit. But we will. It's just wild to me that Will Ferrell's shtick translates so well.
0: Yeah, I always think of him as more visual humor, but absolutely. No, he's, he's crushing it, actually, with wordplay. Their rivalry continues into adulthood where Metro Man thwarts Megamind at every turn, eventually landing him in prison.
1: It's like going home. That's all I was it gonna say. It's technically home, like it's, right?
0: That doesn't seem all that bad. Megamind uses a watch that disguises him as the warden, who is played by JK fucking Simmons. <laughs> by the way,
1: <laughs> they just keep showing up. I love this little gag though, because the warden tries to give Megamind a gift that is from Metro Man and it's supposed to like count down the time left in your 85 life sentences or whatever. Right. And he's like, oh, well, I'm just gonna end up keeping it because I'm JK fucking Simmons. All part of the plan. All part of the, the Mega Mind plan. Always part of the plan because he's always a few steps ahead. He is. And then JK fucking Simmons turns into Mega fucking Mind as he's walking down. They tackle him and then they do the old switcheroo in the jail cell. It's great. Just pull the switcheroo.
0: It's great. Mega Mind breaks out of prison on the day of the dedication of the Metro Man Museum.
1: Now, Brian. Yeah. Can you describe what this museum looks like for me? Because I have a feeling you're going to get really uncomfortable with just it's the a, general layout of it. It's a very tall statue. <laughs> Of a cartoon man, so
0: I didn't mind that much. Okay. This is the largest statue by a long oh, shot. It is, it's insane. This is a skyscraper of a statue. It makes the Batman statues look like, like little bitty, I don't know. Statues? Whatever you call <laughs> Statuettes. There is a word for
1: Figurines? it.
0: Figurines? Figurines. I like
1: Miniatures? it. Miniatures?
0: Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Already, huh? Yep. Yeah.
1: All right. That's some bullshit. Here we go.
0: Metro Man's appearance and costume was based on Elvis Presley. Yeah, you could see that very clearly in the design. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's the whole thing. Great. That's one of those ones that I feel like if they had expounded, it would have been better. You're probably right. Do you know what really clued me in on the Elvis thing? The fact that they're playing a little less conversation (laughs) as he (laughs) enters the stage. They use
1: music in a really Favreau way. In oh this entire God, but movie, but it lands but it's almost so well all the done. time. We will 100% get there. Absolutely. Megamind
0: naturally gate crashes the event and announces that he has once again kidnapped Metroman's alleged girlfriend, news reporter Roxanne Ritchie, played by Tina fucking Faye.
1: I love the reaction that Tina Faye gives, Roxy. How? Oh, yeah. She's just like, all right, here we go again. It seems like here this is go. just a thing that we keep doing. And she even jokes about it. She's like, do I get another stamp on my... Kidnapping of the Week Club or whatever, and I love Will Ferrell. We don't frequent. You know we don't do that anymore. You know that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she seems bored and not at all threatened, and it's it's fantastic.
1: You're right. That seems to be like the general thing behind Megamind though. Is everyone's just kind of bored? Everybody's over it.
0: Megamind lures Metro Man into a sealed observatory, which will be blown up by a laser. But the laser takes too long to start up, and once again, it seems like
1: Mega Man has failed and Metro Man will be victorious. So, the complicated thing about this movie that we're already running into is Brian has now said Mega Man and Mega Mind Oops. and Metro Man. It's like, son of a bitch with these M's. Son but of a I bitch! I haven't said Metro Mind. Now, why are you putting that in your head?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, just to cover <laughs> myself for future fuck ups, I guess. Do you
1: have a death wish? Apparently. So, it seems
0: like Metro Man will once again. Be victorious. But he can't escape the observatory.
1: Right. They're in that dome part and he keeps flying up into the ceiling and he just looks at Megamind on the big screen that they're doing there. And the big screen is also projected to the unveiling of the museum. So everyone else is seeing it too. And is like, oh no, copper, my weakness. You're training my powers. And everybody's like, your weakness is copper? <laughs> it's a a metal that's found literally almost everywhere? Really? That's what's going to do it? All right. All right, Orson Welles, War of the Worlds or whatever. HG Wells, so the, that's the other one, too. It's, that's a complicated So many thing. wells. Too many wells. Harrison Wells from The Flash. From The Flash. That... He can get included <laughs> in this if he wants. All of the wells. All the
0: wells. They're not running dry. No, they never will. Unable to escape when the laser activates, Metro Man is incinerated into a skeleton.
1: I love how you're seeing this thing flying from the observatory that just blew up to this fake observatory that they built. To really fool Roxy into yeah. luring like, Oh, here Metro he comes. There. And I love when it lands. They're so like, oh shit, it's Metro Man. Oh no, oh no. And it lands. It's just a skeleton. You're like, ah, that's fantastic. What a yeah. gag.
0: Megamind has fulfilled every supervillain's dream to the shock of everybody, including himself. He has vanquished the superhero, and Metro City is now his to take over.
1: That's right. I love how you have him going, I did it. <laughs> and Tina Fey's going, <laughs> He did it? And the mayor's he going, did it? he did it. Like, everyone's just in shock more than anything. Like, okay. Yeah. Didn't think that was going to happen today.
0: This is different. Megamind revels in his victory and sets about vandalizing and pillaging Metro City, or Metrocity. But as time passes, he becomes depressed, melancholy, and empty.
1: <laughs> I really enjoy... Watching his sort of downfall because, yeah, him and Minion are running wild throughout the streets, stealing everything they possibly can, spray painting everything they possibly can. And then you clearly see that something's wrong with him. Something is, yeah. I don't know, he's like not fulfilled anymore.
0: I have another IMDb trivia fact for you. Okay, Brian, go. Megamind mispronounces words 20 times throughout the movie, most noticeably Metro City as metrocity, which rhymes with atrocity.
1: Some people need to get the internet taken away from them.
0: Yeah, they, they absolutely like just, do. just take <laughs> it
1: away. You had it's your like, no, chance, and you, you contributed tried. nothing to society with your use of said internet. And that can be said for a lot of people. I do understand that. I think the same fate
0: should befall everybody who marked that as a helpful trivia fact. No,
1: those people should just get put down. They should be brought to okay. the vet, <laughs> and they should light the weird candle in the lobby of, everybody stay quiet, there's an internet troll being put down, or whatever.
0: You know, yeah, let them keep the internet for their last week or whatever, but then, <laughs> sorry.
1: And when they walk in before they get put down, they're like, oh, instead of a last meal, it's like, what's your last website? And I can guarantee most of them are going to say, like, no, they can't say parlor anymore. Most of them are going to say Reddit. Most of them. Yeah, now. it's going
0: to be a lot of Reddit.
1: Or, or Telegraph or whatever the new fucky one is for your goddamn tinfoil hat wearers. Whatever that one is.
0: But, oh, I didn't realize you were grouping Reddit in with that, because I wouldn't agree with that. No,
1: no. Reddit, I think, is just like the safety net for all the, all the kooks out there. All right. It's like the non-weird version of a lot of things that's also pretty damn weird.
0: It can get weird for sure. But yeah, Mind basically realizes that a supervillain has no point without a superhero to fight. His life has lost all fun, challenge, and purpose.
1: Now this is a really interesting twist because this is really just the end of Act One here. And you have a villain who's defeated the hero, but now this villain is out of loss. He's he has no purpose anymore in his mind. And he needs to learn a purpose. He needs to grow as a character here. So it's a very interesting twist of just a movie entirely. Not even just a twist thrown about within the story. Like this is properly interesting the way it's set up.
0: I completely agree.
1: I feel like we're about to deconstruct the superhero genre, just a little bit in this episode because of what this movie does.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Megamind pays a visit to the Metro Man Museum to express his condolences and also to blow the place up.
1: Right, he wants to talk to the giant statue and say, I'm sorry, but now I gotta blow you up.
0: You remind me of of better times, so you gotta go. You gotta go! While he's there, he runs into Roxanne, who also has come to express her grief. Megamind disguises himself as the museum curator Bernard, Played by Ben fucking Stiller, of course. Yeah, right. Of course. Using the same watch that he used to break out of prison. Yeah, it's
1: the old switcheroo watch.
0: He also has a dehydration ray that he uses on the real Bernard, and it turns him into a little glowing cube of, <laughs> of his a essence, Bernard. Right, sure. It's, it's a tiny dehydrated Bernard jerky. Delicious? I don't know. I don't know if I'd be eating Stiller jerky. <laughs> Megamind and Roxanne strike up a conversation while leaving the museum.
1: Megamind has Bernard. Right.
0: Right. Roxy's optimistic that a hero will soon rise to oppose Megamind's villainy and inadvertently inspires Megamind to create a hero to fight, restoring balance to Metro City and the purpose of his life.
1: Right. So the city of Metro City itself is just in the dumps at this point because Megamind has taken over. The curtains are all closed throughout the entire city. The streets are empty. No one's there. It's a disaster. Megamind is very much one. He's bored. He says sorry. Sorry. Kabooms the big statue of Metro Man to kind of put an end to that chapter for, I guess, just his own closure, trying to find closure, finds Roxy. Roxy inadvertently says, we need another hero.
0: Right. And And then,
1: light bulb. Boom. There you go. He gets it. Scott Pilgrim moment. That's right. Megamind
0: uses Metro Man's DNA that he gets from the cape to forge a special serum that provides superpowers, but he can only use it one time. Don't know why? I didn't ask. The movie didn't tell me. At that very moment, Roxy sneaks into Megamind's lair to
1: find out what his future evil plans are. I love the entrance to the secret lair because she shows up and they go, Oh, don't worry. never going to find the secret entrance. And then there's just a mat at the secret entrance that says, Secret entrance. Secret entrance. <laughs> and it's because Minion kept forgetting where it was. It's so good. It's a smart movie, man. It is. It is. For silly and
0: dumb as it is. The resulting melee... Ends with the serum being accidentally fired off and ingested by Roxanne's cameraman, Hal Stewart, played by Jonah fucking Hill. Of all the people. Of of all the people.
1: So far, we've barely met Hal Stewart, which is right. a very, very fun combination of names for Green Lantern with Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. And I love how they're bringing the lantern into this. How appropriate that he plays the Green Lantern in the Lego movies. It's amazing, right? Small world. Yeah. But I love how... We've seen this character before, he hasn't done anything yet except hit on Roxy, like really, really inappropriately the whole time, and Roxy just keeps shooting it down, so why even bother mentioning it? But now, you know he's going to get all powered up, man.
0: Right. I can really only describe this character as a Jonah Hill type with an obsessive (laughs) crush on Roxy.
1: This is definitely an animated character who draws nothing but dicks in his notebook. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt.
0: Do you know how many foods are shaped like dicks? (laughs) The best kinds.
1: Seems like a good time to bring up. We got a question on Facebook from Micah. Oh. He wants to know, would you rather live every day in a different Will Ferrell movie or live every day in a repeating version of a singular Jonah Hill movie? Oh, that's a good question. It sure is, because realistically, if you live every day a different day in a Will Ferrell movie, you're going to be doing some fun things. Like, one day you're going to be a a detective who's doing Eva Mendes, and then the next day you're going to be a a soccer coach with Mike Ditka. And then the next day you're going to be getting written about and doing what said author does to you, I guess, whatever. It's almost stranger than fiction. It is almost.
0: I mean, one day you're going to be driving a NASCAR. Exactly.
1: Or... Would you go to a party in the woods and get period blood in your leg just repeatedly? Just think about it forever. Just forever. I think I have to go with the Will Ferrell, (laughs) just that is much
0: more exciting.
1: There's variations at the very least. Jonah Hill, as you described, plays a Jonah Hill like character, and there's some good reason behind
0: it. A Jonah Hill movie that, like, I'd be like, yeah, that's the Jonah Hill I want to (laughs) be. And I just, I can't think of a single one. I
1: don't even think Jonah Hill has had a Jonah Hill movie where he says, yeah, that's the Jonah Hill I want to be.
0: <laughs> like, maybe one of the the 21 Jump Street movies?
1: Maybe, but he's the loser of those kind of still. He's still, got the Tatum yeah. next to
0: him. So you, you can do whatever you want to get buff and, and fit. You're still standing next to Channing Tatum. That's in the right.
1: Movie. It's never going to be enough, no matter what.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go Will Ferrell. Done. Because despite being Will Ferrell... He pulls in these movies. He sure does. So there you go. Thank you, Micah. Megamind feels that Hal has been chosen by destiny for these heroics, so he disguises himself as Space Dad and trains Hal to become Titan, Metro City's or Metrocity's, new hero. Space Dad. I want to talk about Space Dad. Yes, please. This is the best caricature of Marlon Brando played by Will Ferrell <laughs> that I've ever seen. I mean, there's not many instances to draw from,
1: but man, is it good! It's extremely good because he looks like a space troll more than anything. Where he's yes. got the little, he's all little and shrunk down, but he's got the fun hair that you could definitely just play with if you wanted to. Absolutely. But then at the same time, he's doing a full Brando. <laughs> he's doing a full Brando with everything. It's the so mouth good. closed, and he's it's leaning amazing. in, and he's definitely got cotton in the cheeks. I love
0: it, and he's. He's doing more lines than Brando ever did for Superman.
1: That's because Brando wanted to be a green space bagel who buzzed. right.
0: (laughs) A buzzing green space bagel.
1: You can't make that up. No. No, nobody could.
0: Titan appears to Roxy and carries out superhuman feats to impress her, but she rejects him because she has a crush on Bernard and Hal is a weirdo.
1: Hal is a big-time weirdo. He's such a creep, and it's one of those things where... He might as well be the internet again, where you embolden these creeps with power and they use that power in order to spread their creep on the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, right? Instead of becoming a superhero, he just became a super creep. That's right. He's faced with that moment of, ah, I I have great power. Do I go great responsibility or do I do great trolling?
1: It kind of makes sense that he would go the trolling route, though for the character that's been established already. I'm kind of happy oh, he didn't like they didn't try to change his personality to make him somebody he's yeah. not clearly, as we saw in the first scene of this thing, you got like a fifty fifty chance of where you go, where you end up. Do you end up with a good family or a bad family? Easy as that yeah. and here, I like how when power is distributed to somebody, is it distributed to a good person or a bad person?
0: That's what it comes down to. That's
1: really all it is is this movie isn't playing favorites to anybody, really. It's just kind of playing the odds.
0: Yeah, it's like tequila. It's just a personality enhancer. Exactly. Whatever you are before you drink tequila, you just become more of
1: that. That's right. Tequila is dangerous, to put it really lightly.
0: (laughs) Megamind carries on his romance with Roxy through the Bernard disguise, which starts to give him hope about having a normal life beyond villainy. Roxy's loving it. Yeah, everybody's having a good time. Absolutely. Unfortunately, this creates a little bit of conflict with Minion, who's like, the bad guy doesn't get the girl. And then, of course, frustrated, Megamind's like, well, maybe I don't want to be a bad guy anymore. And Minion's like, I don't even know you.
1: (laughs) Who are you?
0: And Megamind's like, you can leave then. I don't need you anymore. And it's heartbreaking.
1: It is heartbreaking. There's a lot of weird emotional moments that land in this movie. It's a Uh, funny movie, One of
0: them happens to be David Cross as a fish in a robot suit. Being told to go away. away. That's right. (laughs) Roxy and Bernard go on a date, and when Roxy goes to kiss him, she accidentally exposes his true identity as Megamind. Right.
1: This really isn't what you want. Whenever you're doing the kiss with somebody, you're like, no, 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 "This is great," and then you open your eyes and they're blue now. Right. That's just and not ever what you want. Re- repeatedly kidnapped you. It's just yeah. Right. And has killed your maybe boyfriend at some point, even though she said they never dated. Right. I'm Allegedly. Sure they never dated, right. So yeah, real conflicting.
0: Yeah, she can't reconcile his true emotional nature with his past evil deeds, and she rejects him. She does a lot of that in this movie.
1: She sure does. I like how after she noticed that she did the kiss with Megamind there, she storms out of the restaurant. And this is right after her saying that she doesn't really judge people based on, I guess, their looks or anything like that. She judges them on what they do. She really boils it down to like their actions, which is, you know, the appropriate way to do it, which is great. Seems kind of shallow to me. Okay, Hal.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's literally what Megamind says. That's
1: but. right. They go outside and she just really ends it. Megamind is trying his hardest to dig deeper and be like, I mean, this is who I am. This is like Yeah. You've seen my actions. I understand they've been bad, but I'm trying here. And she openly says like did you ever really expect someone like me to end up with someone like you? And he just is broken and says, ooh, no. And I didn't know that an animated film could deliver this moment like that in this goofy superhero movie. Yeah. And it was
0: heavy. There is sadness in these animated eyes. Oh, yeah. And in that moment, he walks back to his evil lair, leaving his invisible car right there on the street.
1: That's how you know it was bad. He was so depressed he left his car.
0: Heartbroken. Megamind follows through with his plan to fight Titan. He prepares a large battle mech, puts on an elaborate cape that Minion made for him called the Black Mamba, and makes a grand appearance in the town plaza. And then he spends the entire day there waiting for Titan to show up, (laughs) and he never does.
1: I love how he's just sitting there killing time, looking very stoic at first in this giant mech suit, like, yeah, I'm going to kick some ass. And then eventually he's playing with a car as it's like it's a toy. (laughs) And then I love how he's just like, oh, damn it. All right, I'm going to go find him.
0: Yeah, so he goes to Titan's apartment, and it turns out Titan has decided he would rather be a supervillain.
1: <laughs> That's right. He has stolen a lot of money and a lot of things, and Megamind's like, what the hell are you doing, man? What yeah. are you, You're you supposed to be the good one. I'm the bad one. We need the balance. Come on.
0: Megamind is disgusted, and he provokes Titan by revealing that he is both
1: Space Dad and Bernard titan is not happy about this at all
0: no he is actually extremely pissed that the intellectual dweeb who got roxy's affection is actually megamind
1: that's right even though now megamind's leaning into this because he's like got on your skin bud now you got to chase here we go this is what i wanted
0: he's like finally i get to have this fight the problem is once titan gets to megamind He, unlike Metro Man, has
1: no qualms with just killing him. That's right. And that, again, is really interesting. Yeah. This whole entire fight, it's supposed to be almost choreographed based on the way that these stories go. How you have Superman versus Lex Luthor, you have Spider-Man versus Green Goblin, where they are trying to, quote unquote, kill each other. But... It does feel sort of scripted a lot of this time. There is an understanding that's between the hero and the villain of like, you're going to try to do the bad thing and I'm going to try to stop you. And that's the way this relationship works.
0: That's the way it's always going to go. It's a lot like in The Dark Knight when Joker and Batman have their final showdown and Joker's like, we need each other.
1: That's exactly what it is. And it makes me really think about the dynamic between the villain and the hero. Yeah. Just in like the overarching everything that we know about The genre itself, because, yeah, you do have these villains who are never really going for the kill shot. Right. They're all just trying to go about their own plan and their own plot to take over or steal or whatever it is. But when you break it all down, it's like, would they ever actually kill? Or do they know that's just not a possibility? It's a matter of, can I delay this long enough to get away with whatever I want to do? Because they're going to find a way out. They're the super one.
0: Right. Right. There's always an escape route for the superhero. Or in this case... The villain who is taking on the heroish role. He's starting to. Because he now has to flee for his life.
1: He does have to flee for his life, and he recognizes that Titan is just destroying everything at
0: will. Everything. The whole city in revenge for Roxanne spurning him and his bottled-up resentment from a lifetime of rejection.
1: Right. You get big-time Man
0: of Steel vibes oh, from yeah. all of this. During the battle, Megamind had attacked Titan with a copper sphere but was shocked to see him escape it with ease.
1: Well, he attacks him because he's like, ah, I got you because this was Metro Man's big weakness and it didn't work on you, and he says, stop comparing me to Metro Man.
0: Which, appropriate.
1: It is very appropriate.
0: Megamind does manage to escape, but he's confused and shocked by this inconsistency. So he goes and finds Roxy and convinces her to help him search for clues about the weakness At Metro Man's old hideout.
1: And I like that a lot because I like how Roxy's able to come down just enough where she recognizes, like, you need my help. The city's clearly in trouble and you appear to be trying to do the right thing. And we have now enough of a past. Exactly. There's enough leading up to this moment that I feel like I can kind of trust you. And that's weird. Yeah.
0: But here we are. It is weird. But it lands. It works.
1: So it absolutely does. They did a good job setting it up.
0: Yeah. They go together to check out the base, which turns out to be the school, or as. Megamind calls it Shul, where both Metro Man and Megamind were as children, and they discover while they're there that Metro Man is, in fact, still alive. I love that twist. I do. I forgot all
1: about it. I had no idea. When he pops out, you're just like, oh, that's clever. That's really good, because I thought this movie did have the balls to kill off their hero in the first act or whatever it is, and then just play it, having the villain clearly turn into the hero, but now that you have the villain that's trying to become the hero and the hero doesn't want to be a hero anymore, that's great.
0: Yeah, I agree. It turns out that Metro Man had faked his copper weakness and subsequent death after realizing that he'd lived his entire life based on what other people expected of him, never making a choice about what he really wanted, which turns out to be music. He wanted to be a musician this whole time.
1: Right, and I love this especially because they show him in the observatory from the beginning how... He recognizes that this giant sunbeam is about to hit him and destroy him. And he more or less, well, he says he, sp- he uh, moves super fast. Yeah. But time just pretty much freezes because that's how clock stoppers worked also. Nickelodeon movie. And he has like this existential crisis while everyone else is frozen around him as he's moving in super yeah. speed. So he's like sitting in the park and he's going to the library reading all these self-help books. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And he's even walking around Megamind as he's frozen in time as well. And he's just like, what are we doing here? What? I mean, it's, is this really what it's we become want? become tired. It has become it's the tired. the same thing it's, over and over. And I love that also because Megamind obviously is used to the same thing. This is what he's harping on. and. Metroman on the other side is like, it's the same thing, man. This is all we keep doing. And I love the idea of choice. I love that because with great power does come great responsibility. Yes. And Metroman understands that, but he also understands that he got thrust into this role. He always has to save the day. He doesn't have the choice not to save the day. And that's the Clark Kent really underneath it all.
0: Absolutely. A lot of
1: people hate Superman because he's all powerful. But again, it's not about the powers. It's about the emotions. That's the way it should be looked at when it comes to a lot of these heroes. Don't look at what they can do, look at what they can't. That's the important thing for these characters.
0: Mm, Absolutely. That's interesting, and I think that's a reason that Spider-Man is so easily accepted, because it's more obvious what he can't do. It's extremely obvious,
1: because he is a kid. He is trying to hide this identity all the time. He does have people to protect. But he also understands that I'm a kid who hasn't really grown up yet. I don't know... How to make mature decisions. I just know how to make yeah. reckless decisions, and I try to think that like this is my way of saving the day. Whereas, and it's his yeah, your ability exactly. But you have a Batman, you have a Superman who are a lot less reckless because they have matured. They are right. older. They have had life situations where they have they understand there's consequences behind things.
0: I think that's why it's harder to write for Superman because there's fewer things he can't do, which is probably why people don't receive him as well.
1: I think that's a good way to look at it. Spider-Man, you can write all day. That's why there's Spider-Verse oh, yeah. and there's different offshoots of all this stuff. But, I mean, I understand when you say there's different offshoots of Superman, too, because even look at the original Captain Marvel, Shazam. It's like, it's Superman <laughs> who can say a word and become a man as a child. Right. That's, I mean, right. when you break it down, that's what it is. But there's other things underneath it all. Fascinating. This movie has led me to try to deconstruct the superhero genre. Fucking that's megamind. Insane. Go figure. Who would have thunk it? A Will Ferrell movie.
0: Megamind and Roxy try to persuade Metro Man to defeat Titan, but he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm the music man now. I'm not doing that. So then Roxy and Metro Man try to get Megamind to fight him, but Megamind's like, come on, I'm not a hero. I don't I'm the bad anyone. guy. This is what I, I do. I don't get the girl. Yeah. And because he doesn't have the diffuser gun, because it's in the invisible car that he lost the night that Roxanne dumped him in the rain.
1: <laughs> I love that so much about it. It's like, where'd you park the car? I actually don't know. Is that, <laughs> this isn't invisible. like a, a, so. it's not like a coupe Euro trip moment of like, this isn't where I park my car. It's like, I don't <laughs> know where I park the car. Like
0: proper, it's missing on account of, oops. That's right. Megamind ends up turning himself into the prison where he was raised. They accept him, open arms. Again, going home. They're like, Why wouldn't they? Welcome home. Roxy heads into Metro City to try to reason with Titan because there's not much else left that anybody can do. Titan instead captures Roxy and makes a TV broadcast to call out Megamind using her as bait.
1: It works, because it always does on every single of one of these things. It's a big-time trope, big-time cliche, and it works.
0: Yeah, Roxy begs Megamind to come save her from Metro City, and and yeah, all that good stuff. Gotta beat <laughs> Titan. <laughs> right. Megamind begs the warden to let him out to save the city, and the warden's like, mm, I don't think so. You have That's like not really how jail
1: works, bud.
0: So Megamind makes this heartfelt apology to all the people he hurt, including Minion, and that's when we find out that the Warden is actually Minion in disguise using the Switcheroo Watch. I love it, and he's like, "He's like, all right, I'll let you out."
1: But I love when they actually do escape, quote unquote escape. You do have the Warden there tied up. He's like, Uh, oh, good luck, boys." <laughs> I yeah, fine. I probably would have let you out anyway. Have fun. Have fun storming the castle. And Megamine's like, "We're gonna die," and Minion's like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> It's very
0: good. Megamind makes his grand entrance in Metrocity with this giant drone head. And he's like, yeah, we're we're both villains, but you're not a supervillain. And Titan's like, what's the difference? And Megamind's like, presentation.
1: Beautiful.
0: So good.
1: It's so good because it's not wrong at
0: all. Nope. And then the giant drone head of Megamind eats Titan and Megamind rescues Roxy. Of course, Titan escapes from the giant drone head and then takes a piece of a skyscraper and throws no, it. No, hold
1: on a second. You're saying a piece of the skyscraper. Like it's just he a tiny whole chunk top. of it. He took- It's several floors. Conservatively 20 stories. Conservatively. Yeah. Conservatively 20 <laughs> stories. All right.
0: And he hurls it at Megamind and Roxy. And Megamind manages to get Roxy to safety, but he's impaled by the skyscraper Flash Gordon style. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Mostly because it's Flash Gordon, not because our hero's dying. Right, right. That's not what you really want to see. No. Titan turns his attention to Roxy when all of a sudden Metro Man miraculously shows up and begins chasing Titan around the city.
1: I love it so much. It's a really good reveal. How Metro it's Man awesome. pops You're up.
0: Like, oh, the hero's back. Absolutely. Roxy goes to check on Megamind, and it's revealed that it's actually Minion using the Switcheroo watch, and that the Metro Man that just showed up is actually Megamind,
1: which is amazing. It's so good. That is a great twist, how you have the villain who is parading as the hero, but he's actually the hero now. Yeah. Which is terrific. Yeah.
0: It's so good. As Metro Man, Megamind intimidates Titan into fleeing metrocity. Roxanne is proud of Megamind's heroic act and deactivates his disguise for the entire city to see. And everybody's like, oh, look at that. Megamind's a good
1: guy. They all go try to swarm him like, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. And I love how he pulls the gun. Yeah. He's not used to positive reinforcement. <laughs> but then
0: Titan returns, having caught on to Megamind's mispronunciation of Metro City.
1: Which is amazing. It's so good so that good. he came back. I was going to say, that how, how is Megamind going to just send him off to another city and just be like, all right, go torture them. I don't need you.
0: Yeah. So Titan starts attacking Megamind again, and Roxanne points out that Megamind's invisible car is right there behind him on the street. She could see it. I don't know how.
1: Doesn't matter. I don't. Doesn't matter. Maybe she remembers because she looked back that night. That's a possibility. Uh, I guess. Move on. I like this movie too much. Move on. So he goes
0: to the car and he retrieves his diffuser gun inside while being attacked by Titan. He manages to reach the car and the weapon, but Titan flings Megamind into the air to fall to his apparent death where we started
1: the movie. That's right. We're back. We've arrived. We've done it. As Titan
0: is about to exact his angry incel revenge on Roxanne in a fountain in Metro City's main square, Megamind's dehydration gun lands in the fountain.
1: Hey, how about that? (laughs) Followed by
0: a glowing cube, which Megamind emerges from and uses the
1: diffuser gun to remove Hal's powers. It's great. He just sticks it in his mouth and he sucks his powers out. He sticks it up his nose. Is that what it was? I confuse the nose and the mouth all the time.
0: Yeah, no, it's easy to do. They're very close to each other. That's the problem.
1: Really, and the movie Team America didn't help me anymore because they're talking about the two bottom (laughs) holes, and I'm talking about the two top holes.
0: Right, being just an inch and a half apart. Inch and a half. (laughs) Roxy and Megamind go to Minion, who seems to be dying, but he's fine when Megamind throws him into the fountain.
1: I love how Megamind's like he's so dramatic, and it's like he's so dramatic. David fucking Cross,
0: absolutely killing it. And for a hot second, I was like, "Oh, they're killing off Minion," but you never get that emotional reaction from Megamind (laughs) the whole time. He knows. "Mm."
1: He knows. This movie's too smart to let that one go.
0: Yeah. Hal ends up in Megamind's former prison cell, while Megamind is embraced by Metro City as its new defender. Roxy accepts Megamind, and they start dating again, presumably. Presumably. And we close out in true DreamWorks fashion with a dance number for no reason, while a disguised Metro <laughs> man looks on from the crowd.
1: You're right. And they have, at this point, built a giant statue to Megamind. And right. damn it, movie.
0: <laughs> I have Why? one last... Actual IMDb trivia fact.
1: You're going to close it out. We've just had a wonderful time discussing the film yeah, Megamind did. from 2010. Directed by famous director Tom McGrath.
0: Yeah, who also did Madagascar and the Boss Baby. So, I hate the Boss you know,
1: Baby so much. He is Madagascar's like DreamWorks
0: spot. go-to guy.
1: You know what? Fine. Sure. Give me
0: the IMDb fact. In the last dance scene during Bad, Megamind does the dougie, the stanky leg, and the jerk.
1: I don't like you. I don't like you for any of the reasons that you've just said there of naming dance moves that a yeah animated character is now done at the end of a movie yes. that I like. That's correct. IMDb. We also have the mid-credits scene. We do.
0: Minion is doing the laundry when the real Bernard <laughs> pops up out of the washing machine, claiming that this was the worst day of his life.
1: I love how Minion's like, boss really needs to empty his pockets
0: more. Yep, and then he whacks Bernard with the forget-me stick. Which is
1: just a big stick that he hits someone in the head with. Yep. That's it. It's phenomenal. (laughs) And that is Megamind from 2010, directed by Tom McGrath. This movie does not suck. No, it doesn't. It's It's a lot of fun. I don't know if I love it, but I definitely really, really like it. I agree with that. It does a lot of really interesting things that I think are pretty surface level, but I think if you give any thought to it at all, it's actually a deeper movie than I think it's made out to be, probably. Absolutely it is. But then again, I'm also on like a kick of trying to find the good in everything I watch because I don't want to think that I ever wasted an hour and a half or two hours of my time. My precious well, life Well, luckily, minutes. this is
0: a, a sweet 95 minutes. Oh, those are so. the best.
1: That's the best length of a movie you can get. It's great. This is a good one. Yeah. This is a really interesting one that brings up some interesting concepts. Whether it intended to do so or not. Who knows? But I feel like the idea is better than the execution. But I think if you open yourself up to thinking about the idea that it's trying to present, it's a lot deeper than it even presents itself, which is yeah. not a bad thing. It means you got something out of it. So yeah. good on you, audience. Well done. Let me ask you this. Rotten Tomatoes, 1-100. What do you think? 76. 73. You got awfully oh. close that time. Audience score 72, so it's pretty agreed upon between the two. Yeah. Uh, this is what it is. It's a C-minus, I guess. Which is, I guess so. Not bad, still. Still uh, fresh. Wish my high school math teacher thought that too, at C-. But <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? The critics' consensus of this thing is that it regurgitates plot points from earlier animated efforts and isn't quite as funny as it should be, but a top-shelf voice cast and strong visuals help make Megamind a pleasant, if unspectacular, diversion. Diversion's an interesting word to use. It is, and I wonder what we're trying to diverge from, really. That's the word that stuck out to
0: me, too. Because it's not your typical superhero fair, and it's not really your typical animated movie fair.
1: It's not, but this was also a big year for animated movies, because this movie was the sixth highest grossing animated film of 2010. And the fact that there were six, and this one with this insane cast is there, it shows that- That's true. I mean, there were some heavy hitters that year, because- the number one movie that year was Toy Story 3, did Over a Billy. Of course. Shrek Forever After did $753 million. All right. <laughs> Tangle did $591 million. Oh, wow. Despicable Me did $543 million. And How to Train Your Dragon did $494 million. Holy crap, that was a loaded year. It was a loaded year, especially for animated films. Wow. This movie is no schlub because it did $321 million on a $130 million budget, but... It's still only the sixth highest grossing animated film that year. That's yeah. nuts.
0: Yeah. that's. It's also one of the lowest of the DreamWorks animated films.
1: It is. And that's why they never got another movie out of this thing, out of this franchise. They got a, a short that was like the Button of Doom or whatever. It's like a 15-minute right. movie. But in 2011, Jeffrey Katzenberger, who's the DreamWorks CEO... He said that they're not really into developing any more parody movies because this is looked at as a superhero parody movie. Yes. He was more looking at the likes of like Shark Tale and Monsters vs. Aliens. Right. So it's interesting that they're kind of backing off their smaller projects, if you will. And it makes me wonder, what are you trying to focus on at that point? As well, I
0: guess the expert. parody movies just weren't well-received internationally.
1: That's pretty fair. Like Shark Tale does get looked at as a joke. Often, yeah,
0: Monsters vs. Aliens is nothing. It, it, I mean, I've seen it, I think, twice, and I still don't remember anything from it.
1: But you also didn't think anything about Megamind.
0: Yeah, but I only saw it once.
1: Fair enough. Just, it's very interesting the way it goes. And this also is the fifth highest grossing computer animated superhero film of all time. I mean, that's a small category. It is, but it isn't, because you have The Incredibles 2, The Incredibles, Big Hero 6, and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's Oscars there. To put it lightly. So, no, yeah. You know what? This is actually a good segue into producer Matt Cowan asked us a question on Facebook. Oh. He wants to know, with my film background and your graphic design background, Mm -hmm. he asks, do you two judge computer animated movies differently than live action films or even 2D animated films? If so, what details are make or break that may not be apparent when reviewing movies for your show? The producer's delivering the goods again, man.
0: Wow, And I said Micah had a good question earlier. That's a phenomenal question. It is. I don't know that I look at it any different. Speaking from a graphic design background, um I definitely don't look at it any different than I would a two d animated movie. But comparing it to live action, I don't uh, I think I have I hold animated movies to a lower standard plot wise because I'm just impressed with what's happening on the screen.
1: That's pretty fair. See, I go the opposite direction, I think, though, because when I look at it with my film background, as producer Matt Cowell put it, <laughs> I hold animation to a higher standard a lot of the time. Like, there is a difference between good animation and bad animation, Yeah. where you're not going to compare something that is groundbreaking like Toy Story to something that's just to make a buck like Over the Hedge or something like that. Like Over you, the Hedge was actually a good movie. You stop uh, it. No, it's okay at best, but- There's a place for those movies, just as there's a place for damn near any movie ever made, as I've always said. But animation is so difficult to do, and it is a true craft that I actually respect animation movies more than I respect live action movies a lot of the time more, just because I understand the care that goes into them more, and also my obsession with Walt Disney as a person. Yeah. No,
0: When I said I hold it to a lower standard, I mean... I'm not expecting as much plot-wise because I know how much work goes into the visual aspect. So I hold the visual aspect in a higher regard, whereas I I have a little more leeway when it comes to story,
1: I think. And yet again, I'm going to go the opposite direction because I feel like whenever you do live-action film, there are limitations. There's a lot of limitations. Because obviously, limitations get broken with the advent of... CGI and special effects and things like that, where you can create worlds that are not our own. Right. But I think it's more impressive when you can dive deeper into the mind of somebody and get the true vision of these insane stories and these insane ideas, where if you have something like I'm going to use Pixar for an example, where you have something like soul, even that just came out is such a yeah. unique way of doing a story about a person who is having this crisis. It's a crisis of self and it's a crisis of life all simultaneously. And Soul, I think, is my favorite movie of last year. But then if you want to even dig deeper, I think the best Pixar movie ever made to date is Inside Out. Yeah. Because I think the script is phenomenal. I think that they were able to convey these incredibly deep ideas in ways that you can't show on a live action. You need the animation. You need a way to show what it is like to lose your nostalgia, to lose your childhood in these very metaphorical ways. Right. It's not to say that these live action movies don't do it for me, because live action is obviously the bread and butter of all filmmaking. It is, where you do have setting up the camera and filming and creating these things from nothing, more or less. Again, I just have always gotten more of an emotional charge from animated movies. Like, I'm thinking about all the movies that have broken me, and damn near all of them are animated movies, because Ratatouille gets me every time at the end. Just looking at things with a critical eye, I think that that yeah. is just fucking perfection. Up obviously gets me at the beginning, as it should for everybody. And if it doesn't, for everybody, you it are should. heartless and you're dead inside already, and you belong yes. to be at the veterinary office getting put down w- along with the other trolls. <laughs> with the other trolls. Uh, I think that Wally is damn near perfection on film.
0: Wally is an excellent movie.
1: But then Soul obviously did a lot of things to me on a personal level, which is just, that's a whole episode in itself if I ever get there. But I think. That the idea to convey an idea is more impressive than pointing a camera at something and saying go. I think if you're able to metaphorically connect the dots to your own emotions, I think that goes such a much longer way than trying for actors to do it themselves as well. And I think I like the storytelling more than I like the actual craft of filmmaking more just because, I mean, read the book Sapiens. That's what makes us human is the ability to tell stories, the ability to lie, because realistically, when you look at it, storytelling is lying. Right. That's it's, it. It's using your imagination. I don't know. That's uh, Matt Cowan, you've fucking broken us. Thank you. Yep, way thanks, to go. Thanks for breaking the go. show. Thanks for breaking everything. You're still the producer in our hearts, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Ebert did see this movie. That's my long-winded way of getting there. He gave this thing three out of four stars. Most of his review is complaining that he saw it in 3D. Okay. I mean, I get it. And that he had issues opening his 3D glasses. Not kidding.
0: That is not a review of a movie, Roger. (laughs) That is a review of, of packaging.
1: So I took his review off of Rotten Tomatoes that was not in any way in his review that he actually gave on AudreyBird.com and his review on Rotten Tomatoes was this setup is bright and amusing even if it does feel recycled from bits and pieces of such recent animated landmarks as The Incredibles with its superpowers and Despicable Me as its villain. I think it's fair to draw
0: a parallel to Despicable Me because the movies came out so close together and they're both from this position of the bad guy is doing the good thing.
1: Yeah, and I will tell you marketing wise one minion's doing a lot better than the other. Uh, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, but one of, them, one of them is David Cross. So, you know. I would pay money to have David Cross say banana or potato or whatever the min- minions are actually saying within Despicable Me. <laughs> right. The Gru's on Amazon.com. <laughs> this movie got a 4.7 out of 5. 85% are 5 star, 1% are 1 star. People actually That's low really like this movie quite a bit. I only have three. Oh. The first one I have is from December 15, 2015. I just didn't get the appeal of the... Period. hard stop. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what they didn't get the appeal of. They say, The jokes were stale, the character hideous, and disproportioned, and I couldn't help but pick up too many similarities with films like The Incredibles. Nothing really noteworthy about the animation. The entire film formula just seemed tired. It's so different from every other animated superhero movie. I completely agree. I think that where they say the recycled ideas come from is what makes it fun. It understands what's recycled and what it is trying yeah. to recreate and what story it's trying to tell off these tropes, if you will.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it it's
1: very intentional in the parts that it flips on its head. Absolutely. It's a parody movie. It's aware of that. The audience, not so much. I didn't really look at it as a parody movie until I read that it's supposed to be a parody movie. I agree. The next one I have is from April 13th, 2011. Very funny movie until the end when the villain made comments about there being no, spoiler alert, Easter Bunny and Santa. No reason for this in a kid's movie. I had the spoiler. Oh, no. And I would highly recommend avoiding this movie for this reason. We buy most kids' movies, and I was very disappointed that the writers in this movie had to go ruin it.
0: Wow. That's, uh, that's a tough one, you know? You, you never know. When you're just watching a movie and then have to explain to the kids that, well, there is no Queen of England.
1: That's a very good joke within this movie because even the Tina Fey character is like, huh? <laughs> or maybe it was Megamind. I don't care. It's a good joke. Speaking of Santa and Christmas, you guys should go listen to Jerry D on Totally Rad Christmas, his podcast about Christmas in the 80s. It's really just a huge nostalgia trip. It's a treat. Jerry's fantastic. We're going to be on with him in one of his recent episodes talking about X-Men for Christmas because that's what you think of when you think of Christmas is X-Men. Of course. I always
0: think of Christmas with the X-Men. Deck
1: the halls with boughs of Iceman. Fa-la-la-la-la. do not kiss Rogue. (laughs) His podcast is a lot of fun. He likes to talk about uh, just really nostalgia. He's talked about DC Comics, He-Man, G.I. Joe, you name it. Yeah. It's all things he wants to talk about, just talking about Christmas growing up and, man, I, I could get behind that all day, so my best Christmas memories oh, yeah. growing up are just the stupidest little things, and I can't wait to talk to Jerry about those things, so it's going to be a lot it's of fun. It's the best brand of nostalgia. It really Christmas is. Christmas nostalgia. Go listen to Totally Rad Christmas. Speaking of things that are rad, the last one star I have. Hold on to your butts for this one, Brian. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Tell me when you're yep. ready. I want to make sure you're ready. You're properly prepared. My hands are firmly planted on my buttocks. All right, here we go. From March 1st, 2018, this is a one-star review. Title, two stars. Oh, I love it already. That's it. That's perfect. <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect review. <laughs> There's perfection in the world. Some might go to Italy or whatever and look at the Statue of David. Or they might go to France and look at the Mona Lisa and her
0: You're, you're her doing smirk. too much.
1: You don't need to go. You just need to go to Amazon.com and look at the one-star reviews from Mind and see the one-star review that just says two stars. Two stars. And you've discovered what it is for true art to exist. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Brian, let's give this thing a super stuff score. Let's do that. But first... This is another edition of K-Podcasters The Aider. It's really hard to read things with Megamind. I'm trying to mispronounce on purpose?
0: Yeah, I uh I got it's that really impression difficult. right there.
1: <laughs> Lot of thought.
0: For this week's Cape Podcasters Theater, Keaton Patty is forced about to watch a thousand hours of undercover boss. That's oh, right. That's the old switcheroo watch. Fair enough. For this one, I'll be doing the narration in the part of female, and Dave will be doing the part of boss. This
1: is the most appropriate casting you've ever done.
0: Ah, uh, rude. <laughs> that was rude.
1: You set it up. You threw it off the backboard and said, hey, bud, I need you to dunk this home. And I said, Brian, I love you, man. I got you.
0: And then I stuck the rude.
1: That's exactly what happened. (laughs) In that
0: order. Undercover boss. Exterior.
1: Factory. The boss stands outside the factory. He is not undercover. My name is Cinnabon Hooters, and I'm the king of Twizzlers. I'm sick of my workers knowing me.
0: The boss adds extra eyebrows. He is now undercover interior twizzler factory we see a conveyor belt full of hot twizzler meat female (laughs) an employee lady shoves the meat into bags the undercover boss watches nobody knows he's actually himself how long have you haunted this factory 56 years i have eight children four boys and four (laughs) boys all girls me too i am just like you worker The boss touches some of the Twizzler meat with his face, but it's too hot. His extra eyebrows melt off. You are the big man. Everyone at the factory turns and looks at the man. Female is right. He is big. You have
1: much to explain. From now on, this factory will be safer. No more pain. No more bugs with knives. No more lunch deaths.
0: (laughs) Everyone claps. Lunch deaths had been getting bad
1: capitalism will heal me and us all. <laughs>
0: Fantastic.
1: <laughs> lunch debts, they're a problem no one's talking about.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm glad they're finally doing something at the Twizzler factory about the lunch debts. It's
1: about time. <laughs> now we can give this thing a super stuff score. Yes, please. Story and motivation. It is recycled. A lot of, well, I shouldn't say it's for the story because the story itself is actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I like the story. I think it's Different enough, and I think it plays well, for sure.
1: It does play well, and it does play on the tropes. I'm going to go 0.75 for story. I feel like it was obvious eventually, which was a problem. It was obvious too soon.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. It was obvious too soon, but then they hit you with those twists at the end.
1: There's a lot of twists at the end, but they get you more A to B. That's really all it is. They're not so much for like the grand arc of it as much as to connect the set pieces. Right,
0: Yeah. I think 0. 0.75 is appropriate. It's very
1: good. Don't get me wrong there. I agree. Hero. I'm going to go with Mega Mind. Yep, that makes sense. And I like how he's tussling with being not bad at the beginning and then he is fully yeah. bad and then clearly he has that change of heart.
0: Right. I like that even when he is bad, most of his crimes involve property damage and and robbery and larceny instead of violent crimes because even even when he's faced with the violence of Titan, he's put off by it. So it makes him more believable as having the ability to have this turn.
1: I agree. And I think the strongest thing actually about this character itself is that there's a line in this movie that comes from Roxanne Ritchie about how she's trying to convince Megamind that he needs to become the hero. Yeah, How he says that no matter how big the fight was, no matter how much you knew you are going to lose it by, you still fought it. Because that that's was the
0: best thing about him.
1: That's the best thing about you. It's part of the trope. And realistically, is that not also applicable for the hero sometimes where you are going oh, yeah. against the odds? it's. I think it's fantastic there. That is Captain America. I could do this all day. I'm going to go 0.75 again. I think it's damn I, good. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's
0: perfect. And I think, I mean, him starting the movie as a villain has something to do with that. Which brings us to
1: villain. He creates the villain. He does. And he creates... It happens to be a circumstantial creep, really. Yeah. Not his fault. I, I don't really care for Titan. There's not much there. We know that there's a complete creep to Roxy, and then eventually that's going to escalate. And
0: then just maniacal with power. I'm yeah.
1: going to go .25 to acknowledge that there's a bad guy. Yeah. That's I it. think that's appropriate. And I am not even opposed to a zero, unfortunately.
0: I, I don't think it's a zero. I think he deserves some credit. Okay. Well, there you go. Parents.
1: Well, they're technically dead, aren't they?
0: We see him him bite it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go one because they they bite it on not Krypton.
0: Uh, Exactly. Female characters. I like Roxy a lot. I like Roxy a lot. I don't like that she's the only one.
1: That's the biggest problem with it. I think that she's a very strong character. She does get smitten a little too easily in my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is it is quick.
1: She does want to get down and dirty into the crime fighting and not so much the sack, which I like quite That's a bit true. as well. But also she's acting opposite of Blue Man, so that checks out also. <laughs> I'm going to go point 0.5.
0: I already had my hands on the point 0.5. So. <laughs>
1: Beautiful. We've been doing perfect. this 119 episodes clearly.
0: <laughs> that brings us to setting, Matrocity. It's a city. There's nothing to this thing. It is it's a Nondescript city. It yeah. doesn't even have a distinct name. It did take up a full terabyte of disk space because there's over 90,000 buildings and roads.
1: That's great and fine. And I'm going to go with zero because I actually don't. Zero. Yeah, I don't think it's very good. They didn't do anything to flesh this thing out. All right. Style and tone. It's not original. There's heavy Incredibles vibes a lot of the time just because it is a city based superhero movie. Yeah. You also get a lot of Despicable Me, unfortunately, with his gizmos and whatnot.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of tropes that it's playing with there, and and there's a lot that it's mimicking from other movies. But
1: that's the argument. There is: is it a parody, or is it playing yeah, off of those is, tropes? And that's the question. I think that I didn't know this was a parody. I didn't either. I'm gonna go point two five. Okay. Because I just don't think it lands very hard at all.
0: Yeah, I think stylistically it's very similar to everything else DreamWorks Animation is putting out. Absolutely.
1: So. I think the tone is cool is though. The tone. Is I, cool. I agree.
0: Music. Hans fucking Zimmer and Lauren Balfi.
1: It is, but it's also oh, I AC, already don't DC like your And Black Sabbath and the okay. soundtrack I think is cooler than the actual music that's written for this. Movie. I hear
0: what you're saying, and I actually have an example to send you right now of why I think. Ooh, I don't even know how to finish the sentence, but I will say I edited this down a little bit, but just take a listen. <laughs>
1: Okay, so what you're saying is that they take these classic songs and then they're able to score it to get out.
0: Yeah, I'm just extremely impressed with the way that that was done, and I think that is better an argument than I could personally make. Where are you
1: leaning with this? Because I feel like you need to lead. Oh, shit. I wasn't ready for that. Um, I'll go one. I will agree with you. That is a great argument to make there. I took the the time. Yeah, the music's noticeable in this thing. But not in a is. bad way, and I
0: I, I appreciate that. A hundred percent. One-liners. There's
1: a lot. There are several. Are they good, though, is the question, because you do have the whole code joke, which I really code is love. a lot of fun. Because they do say, like, code, get the car. He's like, why wouldn't you just tell me to get the car then? Code, get the car! Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I really like that code. joke. That's a really good joke. Yeah.
0: Olo is one of the things I remember from this movie. Because it happens a few it.
1: times, too, in yeah, this movie.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. And I love that he uses it as his like final line when he reemerges from the dehydrated cube, and he's like, Olo. It's, <laughs> it's very good. It's his gotcha line. I love it.
1: I do like the line about presentation, about that's yes. the difference between a villain and a super villain. You're a villain, all right, just not a super one. I'm going to go 0.5. I think that's appropriate. I'm going to put some weight behind that. I don't care. Yeah. I like this movie,
0: damn it. And that brings us to our final category impact on the genre it's not high it is not it's
1: probably pretty damn low it's probably a a 0.25 max
0: i we already talked about how katzenberg said that oh yeah we're not doing any more movies like this period zero unfortunate zero it is that is going to give megamind a total score of five
1: (laughs) nailed it again all right fine with me pretty appropriate beautiful terrific here we are (laughs) Did it again. Oh man, what are
0: we talking about next week, Brian? Next week we're going to be talking about some more X Men stuff. We're going to be talking about the Wolverine.
1: Oh Jesus, another one. Okay.
0: Yep. And stay tuned to our social media pages for that March release schedule.
1: We should say with the Wolverine. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Oh, same. No. And what's weird is that I don't remember if you liked X Men Origins Wolverine. I know I did. I, even the I did like it. So it makes me really curious what's actually going to be in The Wolverine.
0: It's, yeah, I feel like the Wolverine movies in general were not as well received. The first two, obviously, Logan, people loved. People love Logan. The first two Wolverine movies weren't as well received, but most people say that The Wolverine was the better of the two. So.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm so tired of Wolverine. That's really what it comes down to. X Men yeah. fatigue. We barely talk about X Men, but uh,
0: here we go The Wolverine. Here we go. Next it's week. The Wolverine. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on all of them. Like and follow us on our social media accounts at Kate Podcasters. You can get links to every single one of those on our website, katepodcasters.com. While you're there, you can check out our Patreon for monthly exclusive not so super movies and the occasional bonus Batman animation pull list and blurt and tourney episode.
1: Yeah, we're diving back into Batman animation. We had to take a bit of a break from it just because Wandavision happened and Wandavision's taking yeah. up. More time than we thought it would, but we're giving you, for sure. again, more content, and we don't want to put it on the Patreon, because it's MCU, baby. It should be on the main channel. Absolutely. So that was our determination. But Batman Animation, we're going to be doing kind of in the same style as WandaVision going forward, and yeah. it'll be a lot of fun, and I can't wait. And now that Batman the Animated Series is on
0: HBO Max, it's easier for you guys to follow along.
1: Absolutely. that all you got?
0: Uh, I believe that's all I have. If you guys have any... Questions, comments, or anything you want to suggest to us, you can send it to katepodcasters at gmail.com or check our Facebook because we're putting up posts before we record every week asking for your your questions.
1: Absolutely. That's just more of a last-second reminder, more than anything. But it'll get you on the show, easy enough. Your questions, your comments, whatever. We really can't thank you guys enough for listening every single week. I do understand that, hey, it's a free show. You have your choice of whatever you want to listen to. And you're giving your life hours, your precious time on this earth, to us to listen to us talk about superhero and comic book movies (laughs) occasionally giving you a ha ha hopefully and maybe teaching you something new but we really appreciate it we can't explain that enough
0: yeah absolutely
1: sincerely guys thank you and next week we'll see you again for the Wolverine code
0: same pod time code same pod channel